Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I'm going to be talking some Georgia basketball on the podcast today. Don't worry, all you football guys, football isn't going anywhere. I've said it before, I'll say it again. That is and always will be our number one passion here on the Glory UGA podcast. And guys, trust me, we're going to have football content for you every single week during the offseason as we have for the entire existence of this podcast. That's not changing. Not going to happen. But saying that, I'm a Georgia guy. Curtis is a Georgia guy. Charlie's a Georgia gal. And, and that means, yeah, we love Georgia football, but we also love all things Georgia. Football is obviously the top of that list, but we also love Georgia basketball and Georgia tennis and Georgia baseball and gymnastics, you name it. If they're representing the G, we're all about it. It's just kind of in our DNA. And during the football offseason, we do like to try to give a little bit of love to some of our programs that might not get as much of the spotlight on a regular basis. And look, we know that that some of our listeners, some of you guys out there are football-only fans. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But we also know that there are fans of other sports programs that honestly have a pretty hard time finding any information at all about the programs they care about, let alone any real coverage of those programs. Like tennis, for example, you guys know, Charlie and I are huge Georgia tennis fans. Curtis is as well, but he's not able to law school and everything. He's not able to go as, to as many matches as he used to. But look, I know that I love Georgia tennis. Charlie loves Georgia tennis, but we're also under no illusions. We're all very well aware that college tennis is, is very much a fringe sport, but, but, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people that care. You may not care, but I do. And there are plenty of other people out there that do too, more than you actually might think. And one thing that has always frustrated me about being a Georgia tennis fan, for example, is that it's just so hard to actually find any real information out about the team. Like, sure, you can read the match recaps, uh, but it's usually a, a very basic recap, and it's just hard to know what's going on around the program, like really inside the program. Like with football, there, there's just so much coverage of that sport, and there's so many beat writers on the program that we know far more about like the inner workings of the Georgia football program, like kind of what's going on behind the scenes. Do we know everything? No, we don't know everything, but we know a lot more about that sport 
and the, and what's going on behind the scenes, the players, coaches, whole nine yards than we do about other sports because there's just so much more coverage of football. And that's great. And that makes sense because football is such a popular sport and it's my favorite sport. It's my number one passion in life. So I love that we have all that coverage. I don't want that to change, but it is also frustrating as fans of other programs of sports that maybe don't get as much mainstream attention. It's just hard to find information about what's going on with those sports and with those programs. Even for like for tennis, even a guy like me who goes to every single home match, I mean, for so many years, it's been frustrating for me because I don't know really what's going on half the time with the program behind the scenes. Like, why did this rising junior not return to the team this year when she was going to be a key player? Why are we not playing in the national indoors tournament this year? I still don't know the answer to that. Why isn't this player returning? What, what is going on here? Like, there's just so much that's going on and you just don't really have much of a clue. And that's frustrating if you actually really care. And I'm just using tennis as an example because I'm a big Georgia tennis fan. You can really insert any like non-football sport into that equation and it's pretty much the same thing. Like sure, yeah, Georgia basketball gets more attention than like tennis does because it's more of a mainstream sport. But but how much coverage does it really actually get in the grand scheme of things? Like Georgia baseball, yeah, the SEC network has helped coverage a little bit, but it's still very much the same thing. Like you might have a handful of games that are televised each each year, and there's not much coverage of that team. Like, and there are big Georgia baseball fans out there, and it's just hard to find any legit and consistent coverage from really any of the mainstream outlets. It's just hard to find information unless you like really, really do a deep dive. And sometimes if you want to do a deep dive, you don't even know where to look. I mean, for baseball, for example, how many of you guys knew that our projected top starting pitcher this season is out for at least the first month of the season with mono? That's not good. And, and that's just not something that you're going to find regularly out there in a lot of the mainstream sites that should be covering Georgia sports. So that's always been a source of frustration for me. But now with this podcast we're kind of in a position to do something about that. And and that's what we're going to do this football offseason. We're going to try to help out with a little bit of coverage on some of the, of the less prominent sports for those people that are interested in those sports. And, and yes, guys, I know that by definition, those less prominent sports have smaller fan bases. So I know that the numbers, the listens, the impressions for those episodes aren't going to be close to what our football-centric episodes get. It's not even going to be in the same galaxy. I get that, but whatever. That's not why we're doing this. It's it's part passion project and also part public service for those fans who have a hard time finding any content about the sports on campus that they care about. Trust me, I've been there. I know what it's like. It sucks. And we're going to do our very small part to give some of you guys that do like those other sports what you're looking for. And I, I know I probably shouldn't have to explain any of this since this, I mean, it is our podcast and all. I guess we can kind of put whatever content out there we want to. But believe it or not, when we do branch out a little bit and talk other Georgia sports outside of the world of football, we inevitably get some feedback from listeners out there. Maybe not a lot of people, but we do hear from some out there like about why aren't you talking more football? Nobody cares about this sport or that sport. Like just, just stick to football. And I get there, there are just football-only fans, and, and that's fine. That's that's great. I love football too. Trust me, I do. I just hope that everyone understands that why you may not personally care about basketball or tennis or baseball or, or whatever sport, some people do. There are people out there that do, and believe it or not, we do get questions about those sports, and we want to try to, to take care of all of our listeners. And again, one more time, in case you didn't get it the first 17 times I said it. Coverage of other sports 
on the UGA campus is not in any way going to be replacing football coverage on this podcast. If anything, it's in addition to football coverage. It's something extra for some of our other fans who do like some of those other sports. So now that I've said my piece on all of that, let's just talk some Georgia basketball today. And this is unique for us because it seems like almost every time we talk hoops on this podcast, it's about how bad we are, at least over the past couple of years, right? I mean, that's kind of been the story. We've been very, very bad. And should we keep the coach around? Like, what's going on here? But not today. Don't look now. But the dogs are on a humble little three-game win streak. And I know for a lot of programs, that's not much to brag about. For Georgia basketball, though, like, let's go. It's something. I mean, this is the first three-game win streak in Tom Crane's three years as head coach of the program. It's, a, it's a, actually a pretty big step in the right direction for us. In fact, we've actually won five of our last seven games, which, oh, by the way, does include a win over Kentucky, which never happens. And yes, guys, I know Kentucky is not good this year. I watch a ton of college basketball during the football offseason. Like the, the first part of the football offseason, college basketball gets me through it because the football offseason for me, guys, it's tough. I, I miss football already so dearly. And like, I just had the countdown, like one month down. I don't count down the days. I kind of do the months. Okay, we got one month down, one month down here. We're in, we're into month two. We're about halfway through month two. So college basketball helps me get through like January through basically, I guess, March, the start of April, then it's over. And then college tennis kind of takes me the rest of the way through like mid to late May, depending on how far of a run we make. And then we get in the summer and it's just like, oh my God, like I'm just... It's a disaster for me. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a wreck. I need football. I need something. It's tough for me. So I try to get out of the country or at least get out of Georgia, go out and do something to get my mind off of not having Georgia football. So I watch a lot of college basketball, a ton of college basketball. I'm not saying that I'm a college basketball expert. I just watch a ton of it. I love it. I really do. I mean, college football is, of all the sports, college, professional, whatever out there, college football is my favorite by far. No questions asked. No one's even in the same galaxy. But number two is like college football way, 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 way at the top. And then miles and miles below that, it's number two is college basketball. And then probably college tennis for me, to be quite honest with you. Then college baseball, I'm, all, I'm a college guy. If you've been listening to this show for a long time, you know that. And then I guess I would go uh, NFL, probably four. And then there's like a big drop after college sports. And you go to NFL and probably NBA, although I'm losing interest in the NBA recently. And then part of Major League Baseball, baseball just kind of, I, I grew up a huge Braves fan. I still, and I'm trying to get back into the Braves, but Major League Baseball just doesn't do it for me. Really, pro sports, I just don't have any connection to pro sports. I watch it just, you know, I watch the Super Bowl and the NFL because you want to see greatness, that kind of thing. But I don't have any, I don't feel a connection to professional franchises like I do the University of Georgia. I just don't. Personally, that's me. I know everybody's different, but that's me. But anyway, back to the point here. I do love college basketball. I watch a ton of college basketball. And I know Kentucky is not good, but I don't care. We had lost 14 straight to Kentucky. Anytime that we can beat the University of Kentucky in basketball, it's a good thing. I don't care that they're having a down year. I don't care about that at all. We beat Kentucky. That never happens. That 14-game win streak over us, it's over. And they'll probably start another one here shortly, but for now, it's over. So yeah, we beat Kentucky. We're actually five and six in conference. Five wins in conference this year already that matches our total conference wins from last year. I'm actually excited about this team. I'm excited about watching our games. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm impatiently waiting for our next game. And that hasn't necessarily been the case the past couple of years. I have hope. 
And all of that is incredibly refreshing. And I've been thinking about how to structure this episode because I wanted to talk some basketball for a while, but I kind of shied away because I know it's not as popular among the Georgia fan base. It's not as, as big of a deal as football. And I know the, the majority of you want to hear football talk, but I have gotten a lot of questions and interaction on social media this basketball season about Georgia basketball. So I've um, it's kind of been in my mind a little bit to, to put together a basketball episode. And here we are. And I've been thinking about like what to do, how to talk about this, like where do I even start? Because we haven't talked a ton of basketball this season. So here's what I've landed on. I've, I've got a list of 10 things I want to talk about today related to Georgia basketball. It, it's a combination of observations about the players, thoughts on our schemes, analysis of previous games, upcoming games, things like that. And I'm just going to kind of run through them. I, I would love to do this once a week for the rest of the season. I can't guarantee that I can make that happen. It just depends on the week and what I've got going on. Believe it or not, I do have some things going on in my life. Not as much as Charlie and Curtis. They're way busier than I am. But i got a couple things i got to kind of move around to try to get these episodes in. But I'll do it as often as I can. And I, I'm going to do these episodes solo when I get to them because Curtis, I mean, he already has enough on his plate right now with law school. I think he might be losing his mind. He's working really hard there trying to get that done. And he, so doing law school and then an episode or two a week of this, of this podcast, all the football stuff, that's a lot for him. It's a lot on his plate. And Charlie... Well, basketball, as she would be the first to tell you, is not exactly her thing. So I'm going to I'm gonna carry the torch here solo when it comes to the basketball talk this season. And the question I've gotten from a number of different listeners over the past couple of weeks, and it's been asked in different ways from different people, but the theme is still the same. Like, okay, we're on this three-game win streak. We won five of seven. We're looking better. What's the difference? What has changed? I've gotten asked that question a variety of ways over the past couple of weeks. And so that, we're going to kind of start there. So the first thing on my list, your number one on my list, to kind of start answering that question of like, what's the difference? Like, what's changed? Why are we winning games and looking pretty decent and doing so lately? I'm going to start here and say, as a team, we are just shooting the ball much, much better. And I kind of harped on this when we did our first basketball episode a couple of weeks ago. And I just talked about, like, at that point, we were just floundering. It was not a good look. And my one of my big points was, like, we just can't shoot. Like, basically, the issue was, we could, we're not, we can't shoot, we don't defend, and we turn the ball over way too much. You can't win a lot of games when you're doing those three things all at the same time. And that's what was happening for a stretch there to kind of start conference play. But we started to turn things around. And I think the biggest difference is the fact that as a team, we are shooting the ball significantly better over the past couple of games, especially the last three. Over the last three games, our three-game win streak here, a little humble three-game win streak, we're shooting 47% from three. Guys, the three previous games before this win streak, we were shooting only 23% from three. We're all the way up. Get ready for this. We're all the way up to number 203 nationally in three-point shooting percentage which might not sound like much, but considering where we were coming from, that's making progress. We're shooting now almost 33% on the year after hovering around 30% for most of the year, like right at 30%. So we're shooting a lot better from three, which is huge for this team. So on top of that, we're shooting, we're just shooting better from the field. We're shooting 54% from the field overall compared to 41% the, the three previous games prior to this win streak. And right now we're all the way up to 47th overall nationally in field goal percentage. So that's, that's, that's something, right? I mean, that's progress for this team. And 
Why are we shooting better? Like part of it is that shots are just going down. That's basketball. Sometimes shots go down. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you're hot. Sometimes you're not. And you go on these little shooting slumps and sometimes you get streaky and it happens. So part of it is that shots are just going down. I know that's expert analysis, right? Like who would have thought sometimes shots just go down. Sometimes they don't, but that's just how basketball works. That's why it's, it's tough to bet on basketball because you just don't know when a team might come into a game and just be cold and not be hitting anything. So that's part of it. But another part of it is that we are just taking better shots and we're being much more judicious in the shots that we choose to take from three-point land. Right now, over the last three games, we're averaging 16 three-pointers a game. That's compared to 24 three-point attempts per game in the two losses prior to this current three-game win streak. But whatever it is, whatever combination of things it is, it's huge that we're shooting the ball this well from three right now because we need to be able to shoot like that. And maybe not necessarily 47%, but we need to shoot a good solid percentage from three so that we can space the floor for our slashing guards. Two of our top three guards, top four guards, in Severe Wheeler, obviously, and then Ty Fagan, those guys are slashers. That's what they do. And it's really tough to be a slasher and get to the rim when no one, no defense respects you from three and they're just clogging the lane and taking away those guards trying to get to the rim. And it's no coincidence in my mind that over this last three game stretch, this three game win streak, we're shooting 47% from three. Well, Severe Wheeler is averaging 15 plus points a game over the last three games after averaging less than 10 points a game in his previous three games. Again, there's just more space for him and guys like Ty Fagan to operate in the paint. Uh, Ty Fagan, speaking of him, did not score against Vandy, which was weird, but in the first two games, this current three-game win streak, he had 16 points and 13 points against Ole Miss and Auburn on 13 of 19 shooting, and only two of those 13 buckets were, were three-point baskets. And why is Fagan being able to score like that? Why is Wheeler being able to score like that and produce more? Because there's more space. We're spacing out defenses. The lanes are not as clogged. They can get to the rim. There are fewer bodies there. So we've been hitting these threes, which has allowed us to attack the rim off the bounce. We have those guards like Fagan, like Wheeler, that and at times Katie Johnson, that can beat you off the bounce. And it's just it was just hard at times early in conference play to take advantage of that and the skills that those guys were at the table because we weren't hitting threes. People were not respecting that. They were not getting out and contesting those three-point shots like they have to now when all of a sudden we started to hit those shots. So it's just a far more efficient offense overall. And I personally believe that can be traced back to just shooting the ball better from distance and just, again, being more judicious about the shots that we're taking from the not just not just jacking up shots like I, there was a stretch there it was like severe where they were just jack up contested threes it's like dude you can't shoot period why in jesus christ's name are you jacking up a contested three with a hand in your face you're not going to make that shot so we're just being more judicious and smarter about some of the shots that we're taking now on to the, the second thing on my list here number two Sticking with this theme of shooting the ball better, a big part of us shooting the ball better and our three-point percentage going up, a big part of that's been P.J. Horn, the transfer, the grad transfer from Virginia Tech. There was a stretch there where he was struggling. Like It was like, oh my God, just don't shoot it anymore, P.J. There's honestly a, a, a stretch there where I thought like he might just start riding the pine, might start riding the bench because like he was brought in to shoot threes and to knock, that, knock them down and space the floor. That's why he was brought in. But he wasn't doing that. Like in the two losses prior to this three-game win streak, he was 0 for 13. All right, stretch it out to the six games leading up to this current win streak. In those six games, he was four of 22, 18% over a six-game stretch. And it's like, dude, if you're not hitting threes, like I, 
I don't know, man. I know he had the game winner against Kentucky, but other than that, like, wasn't doing a ton for us offensively. But that's changed. He's doing what he was brought in to do. He's knocking those shots down. Last three games in this win streak, he's 8 of 12 from three, 67%. He is in fuego. The dude's on fire. He loves that corner three. He will sit there, spot up from that corner three. And for a while, he wasn't knocking them down. He'd get great looks, wasn't knocking them down, so no one pays attention to him. Well, now people got to pay attention to him. They got to get out there on him in that corner three because he is knocking those shots down at an incredible rate. So if he can keep that up, then we're going to continue to be in really good shape offensively because he is the, I don't want to say the key to the offense. It's probably Severe Wheeler, but PJ Horn and his ability to shoot from three is a big key to our offense, kind of unlocking what we can do offensively. So love to see that. Uh, number three here on my list, again, one more time here. Let's stick with the shooting for one more second. Katie Johnson. Uh, man, not having him for the first part of the season was tough. Now, we ran through our non-con slate fine because it was a weak non-con slate, but the first part of conference play was tough without KD. He's been a big part of our kind of shooting resurgence. He's shooting 45% from three, far and away our best shooter from three, not even close in eight games played. I think we would have probably won at least one, maybe two more SEC games with him in the lineup. We lost at LSU in overtime by two points. I think it was like 94, 92, I think was the final score of that game. And we had that game, man. We had that game down this stretch. If KD plays in that game, I think we probably win. I think we probably win, but he was not cleared to play yet. NCAA, whatever. I don't even know what they were doing, but he wasn't cleared to play. I think we probably would have won that game and maybe Mississippi State at home. Maybe, maybe we would have won that game. I don't know. We didn't play well in that game, but he's by far our best shooter. He also has serious range and he also has the blow by potential as well, which makes him tough to defend because you had to get out on him because he has serious range. I think I'm clearly the best range in our team. When he, we were down at Kentucky late in that game and I thought we were going to lose and he knocks down a big three with about a minute left and that was a, a long three. When he took the shot, I was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, okay. All right. All right. So he's got some range. And he's also got the potential to kind of be explosive and blow by you and attack the rim. And that's tough to defend. We don't we haven't had a guy that can do both of those in combination. And I mean, I got well, I guess Anthony Edwards. But, but even Ant-Man wasn't a great three-point shooter last year. Not even close to as good of a three-point shooter as KD's been for us. And, and I love KD because he wants the big shot, man. He's an alpha. He is absolutely an alpha. He wants the big shot. He's, he will take and make the big shot. I wish we could find a way to get him on the court a little bit more. He's playing about 20 minutes a game, but it's tough. When you've got um, Justin Kyer, who's the best perimeter defender on the team, and Severe Wheeler's the engine that makes the whole offense run, and Fagan, you know, he he has his moments where he's he can be really good if we can if we can get him slashing to the rim. So it's tough to kind of find room. That's why I sometimes wish that we would go with maybe a couple of four guard looks. We don't do that enough. I think our guards are our best offensive weapons. I wish we would use them a little bit more, but he he's definitely been a big part of that shooting resurgence as well. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But that brings us to the fourth item on my list here today. Yes, the shooting has been spectacular. Well, I don't know if I would say spectacular, but much better than it has been through most of the year. That's been a big difference of the past couple of games, but it's not just about the shooting. We're also playing, I guess I would say solid defense, certainly still not anywhere near elite level defense, not the kind of defense that I would like to see us play, but we're playing much better defensively, much more cohesively, and just doing a much better job in general on that side of the ball as well. But I would also say this, like, yeah, I think the defensive last couple games has been much better, but I don't think we've necessarily like consistently been a disaster on defense this year. Yes, there have been some like high profile games where it's like, oh my God, do we play defense? Yes, trust me guys, I've watched all the games. I know that we've, there have been a couple of those games, but we've usually been pretty good on defense. I mean, over the last seven games, remember we won five of the last seven games, we've held opponents to 46% field goal percentage, and that's not elite. That's not great, but it's not terrible. Like We can win some games if we can hold them in like the mid-40s for the most part. And, and that's kind of like, I think that's generally who we've been most of the year, but like I've said, we just had a couple of games here and there where we have had, we've just basically been god awful on defense. Like not even trying on defense is what it seemed like. And teams have just been able to score at will on us. Like we just didn't basically didn't show up those games. Like Florida, for instance, they, they shot 57% from the field against us. Auburn the first time around also shot 57% from the field against us. They also blocked about 37 shots in that game. It was just a terrible game all around. And Arkansas also shot 52% against us in route to, I think, what, a 30-point victory over us? That's one of those games where we just did not show up non-competitive. So those games, I think they stand out in people's minds because it's so infuriating when you watch a team be that bound. Even it's like where you're, you're, it essentially looks like you're not even trying. It's a combination of you're not even trying and what on earth are you possibly even doing? It's hard to watch. So I think when you see those games like that, it kind of gets seared into your mind and you kind of create this conception in your mind, like that's who we are on defense. But those games, yes, they've happened and they were terrible, but they've pretty much been the exception. Like we've typically been holding teams like in the low to mid 40s for most of the season. And when we play solid defense, we can win a lot of games. Over the last three, this three game winning streak, we've held teams to 42% from the field. And you know what? We've won all three games. And, and like the thing is like, I guess it's also part of that's been really frustrating for me too to watch us when we've had those games where we're just like no showing defensively. It's like we have guys that I think can be really good defenders. Justin Kyer is a great defender. He's a very, very good defender. He's leading the league in steals right now. He's clearly our best perimeter defender. And I think that's a big part of why he sees so much time on the court, even with the emergence of KD Johnson, is because Kyer's just our best perimeter defender. And we don't have anyone that's ready to step up and do that consistently out there in the perimeter. I mean, he can knock some threes down occasionally, but he's not a great offensive player, but he's really good for us on defense. And we don't have a ton of guys that are like performing at a high, high level defensively. He's one of them. I think Tumani Kamara has the tools. He has every tool he needs to be an elite defender. He's not consistently an elite defender, but he's got the athleticism. He's got the length. He's got the quickness. He's got the footwork. He can be an elite defender. He's still really young, still really raw, a latecomer to the game. He's still learning, but he's improving dramatically. I mean, he, that block he made against Vanderbilt saved the game. That saved the game. They were going to score and they were going to win. 
but he came out of nowhere. And, and it was not just the block. Like, you could see in the corner of his eye. He was watching that guy the whole way and just leaning in, leaning in, leaning in. Then he sees a guy take the take the shot, and he goes for it. And with his explosiveness off the, off the court and um, his length to be able to block that shot, unbelievable. Save the game. That was the play of the game. It was incredible. So he has the tools to be that kind of guy, like game in, game out, play in, play out. And I think Ty Fagan and KD can, can be good perimeter defenders as well. KD wants to be. He's an alpha guy. And I think he's got the tools to do it. He's got he's a little thicker too, so he can he can body up some guys maybe a little bit more than the guy like Fagan and maybe and even Kyer can do. So I think we have some guys that can be good defenders. We just, just don't do it necessarily consistently. But again, I think we've been consistently pretty good defensively. Not great, but but decent with some high profile like oh my god, what just happened type games defensively. So the defense has been much better, especially over the course of this winning streak. If we can continue that, I, th- I think that we can, again, win a couple more games. And yeah, we're undersized. That does hurt us. Like When we get hurt defensively, being undersized is a big part of that. And that can hurt us against some teams that do have more size. And then Severe Wheeler, he's the engine to the offense. And so he's critical from that respect. But he can clearly, with his just diminutive stature, be a liability on defense. But even within there, I think we can be good enough on defense. I think we have enough pieces to win some games. It's just like defense, guys, this is what frustrates me too also about our lack of defense in some games. Defense is about want to and commitment. Sure, does like having some athleticism help? Of course it helps. Like Eve Pons from Tennessee, like he's maybe the best defender in the country and the guy can just jump out the building. He's an elite, elite, elite athlete, but he also does the little things well too. He wants to be good. He's committed to being good on that side of the ball and that element of the game. And it, that's what we need more guys to do. They need to buy in on defense more consistently. It's about want to. They got to want it. They got to be committed. And I think we're showing signs of doing that more consistently. We just need to keep that up. We can't have these no-show games where teams shoot close to 60% against us. When that happens, we're not going to win. It doesn't matter what we do on offense. We're pretty good on offense, but it doesn't matter. If you're allowing teams to shoot 57% against you, you're not going to win many games. So let's keep it down the low 40s like it has been the past couple weeks. And yeah, we're going to win a couple more games. I feel, I feel good saying that. All right, next on my list here, I just mentioned Tumani Kamara and the tools this guy has. I think Tumani Kamara, and listen carefully, he can can be an NBA player in the future. He is not there yet, not even really close. He's barely scratching the surface of what he can be. But again, when you look at the tools this guy has with his leaping ability, the general athleticism, quickness, footwork, length. He can also shoot a little bit. Now he's got to become much more consistent as a shooter, but he has the tools, the raw tools that could allow him to grow into an NBA player if he can continue to polish up his game and build his game, especially offensively. He he doesn't really have much offensive game. Uh, and what I mean by that game is like he, he doesn't have like, what, what, what are his go-to moves? What does he do? He doesn't really post up. He can't really post up. He has no post presence at all. He can shoot a little bit from three, but that's inconsistent. It's, it's, it's not where it needs to be. I mean, he shoots one of the mid-20s right now, and then that's not good enough. He can do better than that, and I think he'll continue to, to grow that range. But what does he do well offensively? Okay, well, he finishes at the rim. You can throw it up to him in transition. He can make some plays, those kind of things. So that's, what he, that's what he does well. You know, He, he can get a rebound and, and put back and clean up around the rim, that kind of stuff. But he doesn't really have much offensive game. He needs to develop a face-up game where he can take defenders off the bounce, and he needs to become probably a mid-30 to close to 40% three-point shooter. If he can do that, I think he can be a 3-and-D type guy in the NBA. 
Now, he's not there yet, and he's got a long way to go, but he's got some time. He's still only a sophomore. I think he continued to grow, and by the time he's done, I think he's, I think he's probably a four, I think he's a four-year player. I just think he's got so much room to grow that, you know, in a couple of years here, I, I think if he can continue to develop that three-point shot, develop a little bit of a face-up game, continue to improve defensively and just learn the game more, develop more of a feel, I think he can grow into an NBA player. Not a first-round pick. No, not that kind of guy. But I think he's a guy that can make a roster, and I think he can continue to develop in the NBA. He might spend some time in the G League, but I think he's got the tools that somebody will take a chance on him because he's got those physical tools, and that's a big part of what the NBA is about. So I like this guy, man. I really do. Um, he's up and down at times offensively, or all the time offensively, but I think if we stick with him and keep working with him, this guy, when it's all said and done, is going to be a really, really good player here for us at the University of Georgia. So... Definitely watch for the growth there over the next couple of years. And then next up here, number six in the list, I'm just going to go back to last week. We didn't get a chance to talk about this on the show. Last week, was it Wednesday? Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday last week. It was just so great to beat Auburn and especially great to beat Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, mince words here, guys. I think Bruce Pearl is straight garbage. I think he's a straight-up cheater. He had a show cause when Auburn hired him. Yeah, I mean, of course Auburn hired a guy with a show cause. And his program's not only under investigation by the NCAA, but they were under investigation by the FBI, Chuck Pearson. All I mean, this guy's scandal follows him. All right, whether it's Tennessee, whether it's Auburn, I cannot. I still can't believe Auburn hired him. I guess I should. Why? Why, why can't I believe that? Of course, Auburn hired him. That's what Auburn does. Of course, they did. Guys, he's just a cheater, straight up cheater. And th- we had lost six of seven against Auburn. And look, it's basketball. I know people don't care as much, but Bruce Pearl uses that against us on the recruiting trail. That guy has made a living at Auburn recruiting Georgia. That's a big part of what he's done, trying to build up their program. He's made a living recruiting Georgia, and he's gotten some big time guys that we need to get. And he's just so arrogant about it too. He he's very open about it. yeah. I recruit Georgia. Like we got to go in there and do it. And he's very he he plays up. Yeah, we, we've beaten Georgia a lot. So we need to start beating them more consistently so we can get guys like like Sharif Cooper and Isaac Okoro. Those guys need to come to Georgia. Can you imagine a team last year with not just Anthony Edwards but Isaac Okoro? Imagine us this year with Sharif Cooper. I mean, come on, guys. Like we need to get these guys. And right now Bruce Pearl's getting them. And so we need to start beating him. I don't know if that's going to change things overnight, but beating him certainly helps. So it was beautiful, man. It was great to beat Auburn. I hate Auburn in general. I hate Bruce Pearl. And uh, just, it was awesome. It was awesome to see us win. He's, he's so arrogant about it, man. I just, I, that guy rubs me the wrong way. I just, not a Bruce fan, a Bruce Pearl guy. Not a Bruce Pearl fan. Never have been. And certainly never will be. So big time win there. Great to see that. And then moving on here, number seven on my list is, okay, I, I've been talking up the program here, talking up the guys. I've been playing well. Got to give them some love. But I've also got to be realistic here. The win streak is great. This three-game win streak, the first three-game win streak in the Tom Green era, great. I love it. It's progress. It's a start. It's awesome. But that being said, let's let's also understand who we've done this against. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves and say, "Oh my God, guys! Like we're we're gonna be in the bubble before you know it." No, guys, we're not. We're not making the NCAA tournament this year. We don't have that kind of team this year. And that could be in our future next year, in 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 the following year, and years to come. I, I don't see it for us this year. Yes, three-game win streaks are nice, but the three teams that we have done this against, all right, Ole Miss, Auburn, and Vanderbilt most recently, are combined 10 and 20 in SEC play. We've won five of seven. That's awesome. That's great. We need to start doing things like that. This is a big step for our program. It is. We have to understand where we're coming from. It's a big step for us. But the five games we won over the last seven have been against teams that are combined 19 and 32 in the SEC this year. We aren't beating great teams right now. 
we just have to understand that. And that's okay. We're beating teams that we should be, that we should be competitive against. And that's good. Like, I, it would be concerning if we're losing games like that. Losing games to Vanderbilt. Losing games to Ole Miss, who's not very good, and, and Auburn, and, and, and not, having, not beating Kentucky at home when they're down this year. That would be concerning. But we're winning some of those games, and that's good. That, that, that's a start. That's what we need to do before we start beating you know, the, the top-tier teams in this league. So I don't really care that we haven't beaten the top teams in the league right now. This program hasn't been beating, like I said, they haven't been beating the teams that we've beaten, the Ole Misses, the Vanderbilts, the Auburns when they're down. Like We haven't been beating those teams the past couple of years, so I will take it. However, the next step, and this is the next step, and maybe not so much this year, be great to get, you know, we have a pretty, we had a nice stretch. I thought, like this stretch, I thought, like I looked at this, the schedule early in the season, and I, and I looked at, at this stretch, and I kind of like pinpointed this stretch. It's like, this is the stretch. Ole Miss, Auburn, South, South, South Carolina on the road. I thought we had a chance to beat them, but obviously that didn't work out. So that was another, that's one of those no-show games. And A&M coming up. I thought we had a chance to win a couple of these games. I actually said we need to win like at least three of them. And we've done that, and it's awesome. But we're also coming up on another stretch here. We've got Alabama, Florida coming up, and it, it, it's going to be tough to win some of these games. But it'd be nice to win one of these games. One of these games where we're a significant underdog and it's maybe a ranked team. It's got Tennessee coming up this week. We'll get to that later on. So the next step is to do it against the better teams on the schedule. I like to see us be more competitive against those teams. You know, we almost beat LSU on the road. That was a big, I, I almost, I was borderline shocked that we almost beat LSU on the road early in this season. So let's try to pull off one of those. And the next year going to the season was a little bit of momentum and, and try to do it with a little bit more consistency and regularity next year. So yes, I'm, I'm happy with the streak, but let's also understand who it's against and understand that we haven't, we still haven't arrived. It's okay. We can, we we can do both things. Like we can be excited about what we've done so far these last three games and in this win streak, but also understand that we still haven't arrived yet and we still got some work to do. So I just want to put that out there. And one of the reasons we still have not arrived on to number eight on my list here is that turnovers are still a major problem for this team. Like the major problem for this team. Like it's this is the part that like destroys me. It like destroys me trying to watch these games. It just drives me absolutely insane, guys. We are 347th nationally out of 357 teams in turnovers. And it's not a new thing. It's been basically every year since Tom Green got here. First, I was talking up saying, hey, you know, he doesn't have his guys in here. We need more guards. And I guess that's still true to a degree. But Severe Wheeler, I mean, he's he's so good for us. Like leads the league in assists, but also not only leads the league in turnovers, but third nationally in turnovers. Like he was second nationally in turnovers. So he's gotten, I guess, a little bit better. He's only third nationally in turnovers committed. Um, and, and part of that is because the ball is in his hands so much. You have to, that, that is true. I understand that, but he still just makes some like, just some passes. I'm like, dude, like you know better than that. You are better than that. What are you doing? He drives into traffic too much and, and tries to do too much. He, he over dribbles, uh, over penetrates at times and gets lost under the basket with nothing to do. And that's frustrating because that happens over and over and over again. But it's not just him. Like Sharif Cooper, I just mentioned him at Auburn. He's he gets all this love, the savior of Auburn, like the best player in college basketball. If you listen to any broadcaster who who uh, calls one of their games, Sharif Cooper's all they want to talk about. Well, you know what? He's right behind Severe Wheeler, fourth nationally in turnovers and turnovers per game. And all I talk about is how great this guy is. So I understand when you have the ball in your hand a lot, like Cooper, like Wheeler, it's going to happen. But doesn't doesn't really absolve severe from some of the just boneheaded things he does with the ball in his hands he's just gotta learn he's still young he's still young he's got to grow but the turnovers man it kills us and like the thing is we're just not good enough to compensate for those turnovers we're just not good enough we're not talented enough yet like some teams are to overcome that and i think part of the problem is like we just 
We try to play so fast on offense. That's part of what Tom Crean brings to the table, and I love that. I do. It's fun. It's exciting. It's so much better to watch than whatever you want to call that product that we watched for nine years under Mark Fox. There's no doubt about that. But my my complaint would be is that sometimes we play so fast that we get ourselves all out of sorts. Part of playing fast, a big part of why you want to play fast is so that you can get the other team out of sorts. They, they don't get their defense set up. They're all out of whack. It speeds them up if they're one of those teams that likes to slow things down, and that's tough for them to handle. But it's kind of counterproductive when we go so fast that it gets us all out of sorts, and we're turning the ball over and horrible passes, horrible decisions, and like just throwing shots up to throw shots up when it's like that's a terrible decision. I think it leads us like to, to take some unnecessary risk at times with passes and drives into traffic when we don't have to. We can still play fast, and play under control. I don't think those things are necessarily mutually exclusive. You can play fast, but also be smart and under control about it. And I don't know if we've kind of merged those two things yet. We're still trying to learn this system. And look, yeah, I know Katie Johnson. He's a guy that wasn't with the team for half the year. So we're still growing, still learning. We have a lot of newcomers this year. So many newcomers this year. Not even just freshmen, just grad transfers, guys coming to the program. And so obviously there's going to be a learning curve there. I understand that. Hopefully next year with a little more continuity, that won't be as much of a problem. But I'll just say this. like We're never going to turn the corner with this program like we want to until that gets fixed. We're never going to be a, a top-tier team in the SEC if we can't fix this turnover problem. And it's got to change. There's no doubt about that. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, moving on here uh, to number nine, a little scheduling thing here. It's a tough break to have the A&M game canceled or postponed. I guess it's postponed because of their COVID issues. We were supposed to play them this week, and I, that was a very winnable game. Yes, on the road, A&M is not very good. We can win that game, especially with how we're rolling right now. But with that game being postponed, they basically have moved the Tennessee game up from the final game of the year to this week is Tennessee also, I think, who are they supposed to, I think maybe supposed to play Florida, whoever they were supposed to play. They're on a pause, a temporary pause right now too. So they moved up our game. We're playing at Tennessee on Wednesday at eight o'clock. Okay, well, Tennessee's certainly a, a tougher challenge than AM. I will say this though. I think that the game at Tennessee is far more winnable than some of you may think if you haven't watched Tennessee play a lot. Sure, Tennessee should win this game. Yeah, they're number 16 nationally or in the, in the AP rankings, 13-4 overall. But yeah, I mean, those numbers are fine, but they're not that good. Or at least they haven't been playing that well lately. They really struggle to score. They're eighth in the SEC in field goal percentage, 10th in points per game. They're very liable on any given night to shoot in the low 30s. Uh, against Ole Miss, they shot 35% from the field. Against Mississippi State, they shot 37% from the field. Against Florida, they shot 29% and got demolished by a very shorthanded Florida team in that game. Uh, against Alabama, they shot 31%. So they are very liable, seriously, on any given night to shoot in the low 30s, upper 20s. It can happen. They've done it more than a few times this year. 
but that's kind of who they are. They struggle to score offensively, but they're just good on defense. They're far better than us on defense. They don't have an alpha score this year. They don't have that guy, that kind of go-to guy. Uh, their best scores are two freshmen, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer. I mean, against Kentucky, again, the Kentucky probably should have won. Kentucky was winning that game for most of the game. Tennessee went on a run late to pull away. But those two freshmen, Johnson and Springer, scored 50 of the 82 points against Kentucky. And they have been kind of up and down at times, but they've grown up as the years progress. I think those are the two best offensive players. Right now. Those, those are the two best scores. Those are the guys you got to watch out for. And, and what Tennessee does, like their recipe for, for winning is just, they just play far cleaner than us. They play a cleaner and a slower game than us as well. They don't get out of control. But I think the key to beating them is like we got to speed them up. If we can speed them up with our tempo, force some turnovers, and they have one of those bad nights from the field, we got a shot. I, I wouldn't predict us to win right now, but I'm not going to just sit here and say we got no shot whatsoever to win all on the road at Tennessee. They're not, this is not a vintage Tennessee team. It's not a Tennessee team of the past couple of years. They're not that good. They're very, very beatable, especially if they're, if they have one of those nights on offense where they're just not hitting anything because they just struggle to score in general. Even on their best nights, they struggle to score. So if they're having one of those nights and, and we, we play well, then yeah, we can go in there and win that game. And maybe we're catching them at the right time, right after uh, their trip to Kentucky. You know, I, I know Kentucky's down this year, yeah, but it's still going to Rep Arena, playing Kentucky. It's still a big big game for anybody in the SEC. They win that game, come back home, play in Georgia. I mean, who cares about Georgia, right? Georgia basketball. And I think this is a game that maybe we are catching them at the right time. If they have one of those nights that, that, we, can, that we can certainly maybe find a way to win. All right, and finally here, last thing on the list, number 10, Let's just end with this. Don't write Tom Crean's eulogy just yet, okay? I know a lot of people are ready to just write him off and leave this guy for dead. I had some people on social media after some of those blowout losses, those non-competitive losses that were like, like is it time to move on from this guy? And it, even I was saying, I told you earlier in the year that you know, let's. It, it, this is a big rebuild for Tom Crean, right? He, he had to basically start from the ground up, build this thing up. We got to give the guy some time. I'm going to give him another year after this year and see what happens next year. And if we make, if we make progress, give it another year and just take it from there. We have to understand where this program is coming from and who we are as a basketball program. But after I got to admit, after some of those losses, I mean, look at my DMs. I can show them to you guys and say, you know what? I, I what, Even when I was saying, if some of these blowout losses continue and we're just not even competitive like this the rest of the way, even I, after saying that, yeah, give him another year, might start considering saying it's, it might be time to move on if we weren't competitive. But I got to give this guy credit. The team was trending in a bad direction. Multiple non-competitive blowout losses early in conference play. Those no-show games because teams that we, even like South Carolina, we got no, like, okay, even South Carolina at South Carolina, yeah, it can be a tough place to play. There's no fans there really though. And South Carolina's not good this year, but it's still, you know, if, if you lose the game, whatever. But getting blown out by a really bad South Carolina team, that's that's not okay. That can't happen. We look sloppy, poorly coached in some of those games. But saying that, this team has bounced back and is showing clear progress. This team could have just really tanked and they didn't. And I think Tom Crean deserves some credit for that, keeping these guys playing. He absolutely deserves some credit for that. And go back to what I said earlier in the year when we talked a little bit of basketball and I was trying to explain my, my rationale for why I think Tom Crean deserves another year. He has a track record of doing this, of building programs where it takes a couple years. First couple years are whew, tough to watch, but if you allow him time to put his program in, into place, bring his guys in, the payoffs, the dividends, they come, whether it's at Marquette, especially at Indiana. I mean, look at Indiana, guys. I know they were in a different situation. They were kind of coming off some sanctions. First couple years, Six wins overall, 10 wins, 12 wins. Then year four, 27 wins. Year five, 29 wins, a one seed in the NCAA tournament. 
at Indiana, you know, first year, one conference win, four conference wins, three conference wins, then 11 conference wins, then 14 conference wins. He's done it before. I'm not saying for sure that's going to happen here, but let's let that play out. Let's let him bring his guys in, build his program and see what he can do. And we're starting to see that progress this year, guys, right? What was it? Two wins, five wins last year, already at five wins right now with seven games left in the regular season. This guy's a program builder. He's had a tough time maybe sustaining it, especially at Indiana after he builds it, but he's got a track record of building programs up. Now we need to continue that progress. We can't go backwards. And I do, I do think he needs to really pick it up on the recruiting trail. We had that really good class last year, but Pat, you know, the class that came in this year and next year is not looking as strong. We need to get some of those guys. And I mean, winning on the court is certainly going to help that. And hopefully he can start to sell that if we can pull off a couple more wins here, maybe maybe knock off a, a top tier program here over the next couple of weeks. But I'm not ready to write his eulogy just yet. Let's let this guy have another year. Let's let it play out, see what happens. Now, I will say if we have if we go go back to having these blowout losses where we're not competitive, then I reserve the right to change my opinion again. But right now, I like what I've seen from this team, how they've responded to some of those bad losses. I think Tom Crean's doing a really good job developing these guys, getting these guys ready. Need to do a better job recruiting consistently, but let's not write him off just yet. But all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. I really appreciate you guys that stuck it out here for some basketball. Talking to us a little bit different than what you're used to here. We're usually very football heavy and we'll continue to be football heavy, but we also like to give some love to some of the other sports as well. So for those of you who like Georgia basketball and don't get to listen to much Georgia basketball talk, I hope this is something you guys enjoyed. Uh, let me know in, if you want to hear more Georgia basketball talk. We can certainly try to make that happen. But thanks for listening, guys. Really do appreciate it. Curtis will be back later on this week with another look at the 2021 recruiting class, a deep dive into the 2021 recruiting class. We'll have a lot of fun with that on the football side of things. But thanks for listening, guys. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.